I think my dad's writing in the wake of finding out he wasn't my biological father, artistic stuff that was coming out of him, I think that was one of the major impetuses for wanting to make the film. Time has come. Catherine Bigelow! No, no, tu vas m'exciser là, t'es ouf? T'as pas le choix. Mais tu trembles! Growing up, I knew of Wonder Woman, but I didn't know much about her. I wasn't a big comic book fan. Not even worth state tuition, Christine. My name is Ladybird. Uh, well, actually, it's not, and it's ridiculous. Call me Ladybird, like Christine. you said you would. Le César du meilleur scénario original est attribué à Denise Gamze, Erguven et Alice Vinocourt pour Mustang. I just don't know what I'm supposed to be. I tried being a writer, but. <laughs> I hate what I write. We burn things, because war's the only language men listen to. Because you've beaten us and betrayed us and there's nothing else left. We're in every home, we're half the human race, you can't stop us all. And we will win. So the Motomi Podcast 88, with special guest, Coralie Fajar, the director of Revenge. Suzanne is with us. Yeah. Uh, she's she's written, um, written for me, and she's very keen on writing the the review for, for the film of it. So we have a female perspective rather than just me. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I'm outnumbered, it's a bit easier, really, because of the context of the of the film. So hello, Suzanne. Hi. Uh, and Coralie, thank you very much for joining us. Much appreciated. Thank you. Uh, but what I will say is. Um, we've kind of seen this, the, I don't know if you call it revenge film or rape revenge film or it's, it's, it's put in so many different ways, but we've seen quite a few going back to, I spit on your grave, I suppose. Um, but this for me as a man watching it with my wife and we thought this was still kind of fresh, you know, and almost from a point of view that we couldn't quite comprehend. I mean, Suzanne, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I really um, enjoyed it from the first minute, especially the beginning, which I felt was really, you know, pushing those boundaries, making you as a viewer estimate if you would fall into some very generic, ingrained cultural things to say about how she's portrayed versus how they're portrayed. But it really, you know, it picks up. So I really, really enjoyed that a lot. And it kind of made me reflect a lot, you know, and you have much. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think in, in my point of view, when I started to write the movie, uh, I didn't uh, write it uh, as a rape and revenge. Um, and it was for me based, first of all, on the character. Uh, I wanted to say something about her as, you know, this very baby doll, you know, sexualized girl who was going to go through um, a hard journey because she's seen in a certain type of way in the eyes of those guys. And because she dresses in a certain way, because she uses her body in a certain way, because she likes to seduce and she uh, likes to be liked, she's going to be... Um, you know, judged very badly and they're gonna think like they're allowed to do 
basically what whatever they, they want. And when I started to write, I okay, I said to myself, what is the you know worst thing possible she can go through to really symbolize all all those kind of you know um, stigmatization you can have. Uh, when you uh, behave yourself in a in a certain way, and so that's how the rape uh, came to my mind. Um, in a way, being kind of a symbolic way to synthesize all different type of violence uh, women can face. You know, it can be verbal violence. It can be um, physical violence. It can be sexual violence, and the the action of the rape is so violent and is so strong um, that for me it was a very powerful way to uh, flip the story and to it was the way for them to totally crush her like you know uh, from that moment for for them she doesn't exist anymore she was a little princess everybody was happy you know to dance with and when she starts to you know uh, make problems in their in their idea like she for them she doesn't exist anymore and I was very interested in the kind of the reverse of the character and the fact that she was going to be totally crushed with that rape and after when he throws her through the cliff where she impale on the branch it's kind of a crucifixion you know like she's it's a very strong symbol image when you know she has this branch in her body and she's kind of dead and I wanted to use all those very powerful images and symbolic images to go beyond just the sexual violence and just the rape thing in a in a very specific story I wanted to be I wanted it to be very much wider and to talk about you know um, the violence that is made to women in a much more symbolic way and so that the way she's going to reverse can also be very strong and symbolic and the way she's going to use violence I think it's the same it mustn't be taken literally it's kind of a, a very strong raw uh, symbolic way to say okay stop now I don't want to be used anymore. Now I don't want to wait that people allow me to do certain things or not. I don't want to just exist in the eyes of the guys. I want to exist by myself. I want to make my choices. And I don't want anybody anymore to uh, be able to judge my behavior. And, and so in a way she... For me, she takes, you know, in, in French, she says, elle prend la parole, like she, she starts to, uh, to speak, like, okay, she says, now I want people to hear me, I exist, and I want my parts of this world. And that's, that's why it was also very important for me that nobody was going to help her in this journey. Like, everything she does, she does it by herself. Like, there isn't any other character suddenly arriving and saving her or helping her or giving her a gun or whatever. Every single action she does, it's by herself. And it's really kind of a, 
uh, rebirth, she reappropriate also her own body in a different way, uh, but still using it and being proud of it. So yeah. that's really the the main for me, the main intention of the film, and that's why in my mind when I wrote it, I didn't very much. Um, uh, for me, it was not so much. Uh, Movies like uh, I Speed on Your Grave that I, I even hadn't seen or, uh, you know, the, the last house on the uh, on the left or but I was more in more heroic metaphoric movies such as what I like to say, such as Rumble or, or Mad Max, you know, a, 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 a character being crashed to, yeah. you know, totally and he's going to reverse and he's gonna you know take his own destiny in his hand and he's gonna uh let himself you know blossom in in another way um so that's the the intent in the the main intent in the in the movie and what i also really found interesting in that regard to the guys who assault her is that her boyfriend kind of becomes sort of this main villain even though in the um, in the beginning he's not the one who's you know exercising this physical assault, so that was a really interesting shift for me too. That he kind of grows into this even bigger menace because his status quo is a man and his life is being threatened by her saying, you know, I could expose you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wanted for the guys to portray to portray uh, three different, you know. Um, uh, dark and, you know, uh, evil behavior uh, that those characters could have. Like, the Richard, the alpha guy, is very successful and he likes to seduce, he likes to be loved and he likes, you know, to shine in the eyes also of other people. So he's very flattered at the beginning to have this beautiful girl, you know, which, uh, uh, but as you said, as soon as she starts to threaten his life, uh, it's a whole other story. And he's a guy who thinks he, he has all the power. In a way, it's uh, also a, a metaphor of, you know, when you have power and money, you think you can erase whatever you want. And yeah, yeah. unfortunately, that's history told us very recently that that's what happens uh, for a lot of those stories and at the time the when the Weinstein story didn't uh, wasn't you know in the in the news um, uh, but I think it's a very powerful state of mind when you have power money and, and some kind of ambition or uh, ego that you think you know you're basically that you're the king of the world and you can do whatever you want with the those you consider the the weak ones and and the other guy uh, Vincent the guy who and the guy who assaults her is the kind of the less successful version of Richard is <laughs> his friend but he's not ha as handsome we can we can imagine that he's not as rich and as you know successful as him and in a way he's kind of jealous uh, of this success we can imagine that you know he says okay, if this guy can have this, uh, maybe I can have it too. Um, and it's a way to dispose of her, like, from the moment she starts, you know, to be flirting, to dance, 
he reads it as a sign like, okay, she's a kind of a whore, you know, like she's dancing with me, she's seducing me. So after it's her responsibility. And I think it's a very, very also strong um, behavior that it's very, unfortunately, very usual in different level, of course. But as a, as a woman, you can very often trapped you know because you're very nice to someone and you're laughing with someone and you're very friend to someone but the the person you know ex is expecting something else and and there is very often like um you have to take this into consideration as a woman guys they're not gonna think okay i'm not gonna say this or not, i'm not gonna be too nice or I'm not going to be too kind or I'm not going to smile too much otherwise you know she might interpret that blah 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 and this is something definitely we we are living with and and that's a, I think that's a, a trap but that's very very strong uh, reality as as well and so the guy with his own frustration like uh, it's a kind of revenge like not being the alpha guy but he, you know, he wants to use the girl uh, as if he was, you know, as as successful as his friend. And the third one, Dimitri, well, typically he's the guy that knows what's happening and doesn't do anything. And yeah, and so and. It's the same thing. Unfortunately, with recently, you know, uh, in the news, we know that a lot of people were, you know, aware of what was happening, but nobody was saying anything or nobody was listening. So also, it's a very strong, you know, you don't want to be into trouble. You don't want, you know, to. Um, so you just, you know, you're kind of you do the blind, the blind man and. And so, yeah, that was a way to, uh, you know, portray three different, very strong um, uh, actions and very strong violence that are going to crash on her. And also, I wanted to go very, you know, to be very black and white, like they are really the bad guys, but they are also kind of, uh, they are not monsters, you know, they are not a their life in their life they are considered like you know every everyday man and and i think that's the thing it can happen those this violence is 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 there every every day you know in the very day-to-day -day life and the the thing as i wanted to do is to take it in a very symbolic level so it can embody a lot of different action and also because in, I wanted to also escape the very too much realistic thing to go into something you can watch, you know, because I think that is sexual violence or blood or for me, you have to go very far. So you, the cinema object and it's not, you know, um, it becomes a cinema object and not only, you know, there is something that is very uh, unpleasant to, uh, to, to watch. So, that was a balance I I found while I was writing, and and when you write, you also imagine what you're going to film and how you want to film it to say what. And I think it's very important when you write to 
makes those choice but i think it's that that's time that the soul of your movie starting to exist and is taking shape and you can you know be very realistic and do a certain kind of movie or you can be um hyperbolic and do another type of movie and i think what's interesting in a in a movie it's the personality that you're going to put into it and the choices you're going to make because as you said the story isn't new like it's been told in many different movies i think the thing you can renew and make it your own is the personality and the choices in the narration and in the cinematography that are going to make it your own and and so everything is in, is looking that uh, in that way There's some great technical. Some of the techni- technical stuff was incredible. The the sound design and yeah. the the blood itself was almost almost a character because when she when she falls and the, it drips onto the onto the ant, it almost like kills this ant. It's like yeah, blood is big, and then at the end when she slips, it's almost like oh right, you part of you thinks well the blood is gonna is gonna get her killed now. Because I, I thought, oh no, she's th- that's it, you know. And yeah. so technically, and the cinematography you mentioned, but the sound design, like mm. when she goes almost deaf because the, the gun goes off and stuff like that, it, you you feel it. You have to like wear headphones for this film, you know, and like, oh, put up yeah. a big screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, in, in all of my movies, short films, or this this first feature film, the sound is really uh, massively important for me. When I when I write, I already listen to music, to very strong atmospheric music, put me into a certain you know type of of thinking, and and for me, the the sound design and the music really takes you somewhere else into fiction and into a very strong universe you are creating with the images, but also with the sound. And definitely, um, uh, the the music you choose or the sound design you have, it's the same thing. Either take you into a very realistic, you know, uh, film or takes you somewhere else and that's what I really like because also today we are like saturated with images like we see images all the time everywhere and I think the way you think about your images all together with the sound is a very powerful way to make it really your own and to have the same thing a very strong personality and point of view in what you are presenting to the to the audience, and I know that I I like uh, the movie to be very immersive, and especially that there are very few dialogues, almost like there are maybe 14 minutes of dialogues in the in the whole movie. So it's really a movie where I love to play with action and with rhythm and with pace and with the breathing and all those little elements that construct a very tense and a very suspenseful um, universe. And one of my, 
I think one of my biggest inspiration when I started to write and I was going into the more action scenes and I was thinking, okay, it's my first feature. I'm not going to have tons of money to do it, definitely. So I have to keep it, uh, the budget cheap. Otherwise, this movie is, not, is never going to exist. And I said, okay, what can I do to make those action scenes in the mountain or at the end spectacular uh, or very tense without, you know, big explosions or, you know, CGI's or, you know, making the house explode. And, and, and so I said, okay, this I won't be able to do. So I have to find something else that will make it very strong and very specific. And I decided that that the I could use that the fact to not have a lot of money as an as a friend to create something that will be very low key but at the same time very strong because each gesture and each breathing is gonna be you know meaning something and and in fact in movies like Duel from Spielberg uh, that's what was so strong like it's just a truck and a car on the road and everything is based you know on the cinematography the 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 shots the rhythm you know the breathing the, the and it's I remember when I first saw this movie I was so scared I was so into it and you know and there are no big explosions and car you know exploding everywhere and and that's what I like to create I like to impress by being very immersive and and use the few elements I have the the best way I can and and so this this chase at the end like it's only two characters in a corridor and and I had fun you know to go very far in what it can become more and more and more with very few elements and you're right to say that the blood is the third character of the of the scene bring the scene somewhere else like I remember when we were shooting the first time we started to shoot those scenes, like the, the, the guy from the special effects who, who were dealing with the blood, like, put a little blood on the on the wall. And I said, okay, it has to be more. So they put a little more. And said, no, it has to be more. And I took the bucket and I put my head in it and I put myself the, you know, the blood on the, on the wall because I knew that it had it had to be um, you know uh, uh, excessive it had to have some kind of madness and some kind of excess and craziness because in the final scene it's all the rage and all the hatred of the character you know who confronts and in a way the blood symbolizes this it symbolizes the craziness of the both characters who are ready to go you know as far as, as they can to get rid of each other, and 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 I think that's that's a very uh, um, inspir inspiring way to think to elements when you craft a scene, and that's what I really uh, like to do, especially for for that kind of thing. Listen, let's. Are simply 
I like how you played with those animal um, symbolisms, like yeah. how she saw people as animals, and also like really how she always saw her attackers in the house for these stained glasses, like in oh. red and blue. And I wanted to ask about that. If yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. The the animals were also a very strong symbolic way to tell things. Uh, there is at first the 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 ants, you know, on the on on the apple, and after when the blood crushes on the ant, it was a way to symbolize the kind of violence she just went through. Like she's been crushed the same way this little ant is crushed by this uh, blood drop, you know, that, that crashes uh, um, on him. So, um, and it was also a way to start to ground her in more, uh, how do you say, a more uh, a physical sensation, very close to wildness and to nature. And to, from that moment, she started to, you know, be more connected to the earth, to the ground, to the elements, to the natural elements, the sun, the the sand, the the heat, um, and and when she goes in the cave, the phoenix uh, on the on the beard that tattoos on on her is kind of a way to to say that okay, she took off her old skin and now she's reborn in a new in a new person and she has a new skin and now she's like kind of a superheroine and she can go barefoot you know and fight everyone and everything and she has this strength this new strength with her and i think those those animals are very strong symbols cuz they are very in an environment when it's you know live or die where it's really black or white and it embodies a lot of uh, um, uh, strong uh, uh, history also uh, meaning with the the also the peyote drug that is in uh, all civilizations were were used as the way to become adults like it was the kind of a ritual passage taking this drug and take you from childhood to adulthood. And that was also a, a metaphor for her to become, you know, uh, entering a more uh, a different stage of her of her life. And, um, and yes, and the glass in the, in the house. Also, I, I like how it came to life because it's the same thing than for the the blood it's it was because you know when we scouted the the villa we find the villa and it was already quite quite good but we needed to you know make it more kind of pushy on or rich or and we knew it was the same thing we hadn't a lot of money to do transformation um so i was thinking okay what element can i add to this villa to make it something you're gonna remember and so I came up one day with the, this idea of color panels who add something at the same time very pop and very, you know, yeah. uh, happy and which is going to become totally um, uh, different at the end. And of course, I'm using, you know, the, the blue and red and pink uh, you know, symbol of the girl and guy color, and and I like the fact that at the beginning she 
is seen through the pink panel like she's the very girly you know baby doll uh, uh, pink girly stuff and at the end when she comes back and she's kind of a warrior like she's seen through the blue panel which is supposed to be more you know masculine and more um, uh, and I like to play with those symbols because they are still everywhere um, uh, with us and it's a very strong visual way to say things without dialogues or without a lot of uh, money at the same time and sometimes the constraints can be very creative you know you can find a lot of ideas because you have to adapt to the fact that you don't have budget or you you know and there are so many stories in you know the history of films where great stuff get born because it was a plan b <laughs> so i like that edit to the, to the moon uh, of her face and it's almost like a spotlight you know so I really like those little tiny touches that... yeah yeah it's um and you're literally open with a male gaze as well literally with him close up of his eyes oh his sunglasses so you're straight away you're like point of view you know very clever I actually also really enjoyed how you played with the male gaze when she he's looking at her for his binoculars because it became actually really, really meta. Like, you have all these close-ups of her mouth and everything, and it doesn't seem that wrong per se, but once you see he's looking at her for this binocular, it becomes actually really gross and, you know, intimate in an uncomfortable way. So I really enjoyed those ideas you had in there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I it was kind of a, a funny way to um, emphasize the the way he, he treats her like a cake like you know he he's uh, taking slides of her uh, you know pieces of her with his binocular and and being at the same time you know kind of the the geek guy you know a little bit you know not speaking very much and you know focusing on that girl um, as if she was something he could you know dissect so I. Yeah, it's, it was a, a way as well to add those elements that starting to bring something very awkward and very threatening in the party, which was supposed to be, you know, cool and, and fun. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah, Suzanne, do you have any more quick questions? Um, yeah, actually, coming back to the rape itself, like, you used a lot of you know, gory scenes, we already ex talked about that, the blood, and really showing how they, like, confront their broken bodies, but you didn't really show the rape scene, as the only thing we really saw was this reflection in the glass, from her perspective. Was there ever a moment where you thought about showing it, or was that always off? The um, yeah, th um, this is... This comes really from, uh, it's really related to the first uh, question, actually, like for me, as the movie was never about the rape, I, of course, uh, questioned myself how I, I was going to film this scene, because the way I was going to film it is going to say a lot about my intention and a lot about what the movie is about. And 
I think that um, I felt immediately that I didn't have to show the rape in its detail to have it very violent and very disturbing at the contrary. And I thought that I had it's the same thing, that I had to find a personal way to craft that scene and to present it in a way that it's mine and that reflects my thoughts. And, and for me, the fact to play with the hand, with the sound of the, and of, of her, you know, screams and, and more the thing that the guy is gonna, you know, close his eyes, close the door and gonna put the TV to not hear the screams for me is even more violent than showing the rape in itself. And, and yes, the, all those choices were um, articulated about around the idea that I wanted the rape to stay a symbol of a lot of other violences that can be made to women. And, and so I didn't feel that I had to, you know, enter the details of the rape in itself because the movie was not about that. And, and I wanted the rape to... Um, yeah, really to embody a lot of different uh, other violence that I she's gonna take with her. Uh, so yes, that's what crafted the 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 scene in my mind when I started to um, uh, think how I was gonna sh shoot it. Yeah. No, it's definitely all the better for it that it didn't show it. So I really enjoyed that you alluded to it, but really went there. Yeah. Yeah, and as a man, I still felt I still felt the shame of being a man, I suppose. But the 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 anxiety I felt after, like you mentioned, Mad Max, and where where you root for I don't think you can call him a hero, but you root for someone, and you at the same time you didn't want anything to happen to her. I, I'd like kind of my anxiety was kind of without gender, you know. It was just kind of yeah. I hope she's okay, you know. And the, the, yeah. But and she was. I, I didn't have any doubt that she wouldn't be. A couple of times, you. But it was an anxiety. The last six, sixty minutes were just. Uh, last thirty minutes were just uh, for me anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> uh, watching that. Um, so as a director, you know, you, I'm sure you've been told, but uh, it's a great achievement as a from a director directing Thank a film like that. Thank you very much. Um, so sorry we can't talk longer, but um. Thank you again very much for joining us, and I will advise everyone to go and stream this film. Go and watch it loud, headphones <laughs> on, kids, kids out of the room, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you so much for the great uh, interview, and uh, thank you for um, reporting for the for the festival. That that's great. Mm -hmm.